Blog Talk Radio. about this show. Herb Freed is back. He was on our show, I think it was about two years ago, to discuss his fabulous book, The Shirt. 
And now he's joining us to discuss his newest release, Love, Faith, and a Pair of Pants. You have to stay tuned. You will not want to miss what I know. What I know will be a very entertaining and enlightening discussion. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. So yes, my guest is Herb Freed, and he started his adult life as an ordained rabbi and then became the spiritual leader of Temple Beth Shalom in Lake Mahopak, New York. Eventually, he resigned his pulpit to become a movie director. And he has directed and produced 15 feature films, most of which have had psychological, spiritual, and or social themes in spite of their commercial categories. He is best known for Graduation Day and Tomboy, as well as the top thriller Haunts and Child to Man, a story of surviving during the Watts riots. He's also the author of Bichette, which I stated before, which is one of my favorite books, and we are so lucky because he's joining us tonight. I'm so excited. Welcome back to the show, Herb. Thank you for taking time yet again to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How have you been? Well, I'll tell you. you uh, to be back with you is such a thrill. I, I, <laughs> I, I want your audience to know this, that you are the most spiritual person I have met since I left the Rabbinical Academy, and that is not are an you exaggeration. No, oh I'm quite serious. I'm quite serious. I I have the the, the review that you wrote for uh, for Bashert. I have I have I've framed it in my home. Now I've been around the. Uh, I spent uh, the past year and a half over 35 cities and visiting and uh, and talking about the book. And what you had to say about it demonstrated to me that the whole thing was worthwhile. You understood what what I was trying to to. to to just say and to, to to make people feel and to allow them to understand and to broaden. So it's such a joy to be back with you. Oh well, thank you so much. That is a huge, huge, huge compliment. I am I am so grateful. Thank you. I loved your book, and I have to say, you know, when you read a book but you get to the end and you want more, you know, you've read a great book. And I think I'm pretty sure I'm stealing this from Jane Austen <laughs> or something similar. <laughs> You know, but she's she's absolutely right. Your book, Bashert, oh my gosh, it just did something to me. It absolutely, it took me in. You had me at hello. You know, I mean, it just was an incredible, an incredible book. I can't even tell you how many people have said, just get this book and read it. It will change your life. And I just, I absolutely loved it. And this one, I love Oh, my God, I love this book as well. You've written another winner, Herb, so, you know, you have to know that. You have written another winner. It's amazing because when I read books, I try to see 
what the lesson is in the book or what the signs are that maybe there's a reason I'm reading this book and I was driven to it or it came across my path or whatever. And I usually figure it out. And I certainly have with this one. And, you know, let's just get into it. So instead of me talking, let's let you talk. What (laughs) prompted you to write this book? Uh, well, uh, the, uh, gee whiz, uh, I was so excited about uh, the first one because, you know, as, you, as you mentioned before, most of, most of my life I've not been an author. You know, I started out as a rabbi, uh, preaching, teaching, doing all the stuff you do as a, as a, uh, as a clergyman. And uh, I left that, um, and, uh, and then I went into the film business. I, I studied dance with Martha Graham. I studied acting. And all those wonderful things that I was able to do, I did. And it was glorious. And I made films for about 35 years. And uh, my wife of blessed memory passed away so now six years ago. Uh, she was a film editor. And so she and I traveled the country together making films. And uh, we, we, it, was, it was a beautiful life, a gorgeous life. And we had everything, and we had friends all over the world, and we traveled, and all the good things. And then about uh, just uh, oh, almost eight years ago now, she developed a terrible disease, lupus, mm-hmm. and uh, we fought with that. And then she passed away, and when that happened, I had no more taste for film or for, for making just things, just you know, just sort of making a story that you can just throw out on a, on a, on a you know, tweet. Uh, and that's yeah. kind of what the, what the films felt like for me. So I sat down and felt I had to write something to, to bring my life back. And the way to do that was to bring Marion back. And so I started mm-hmm. writing. And then I, uh, I started writing a few pages. And then I said, what am I writing here? And then the third or fourth day, I read, some, read something, and, and I found myself laughing. And then I read <laughs> a couple more, wrote a couple more pages, and then I started crying. And I said, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I'm cracking up. But then every day I wrote, and I wrote for five years every single day. And that's how Bashert came about. And once that happened, I discovered that what I enjoy most of all is writing. And it's just such a pleasure when I can write and then find a kindred spirit to understand it. And we found that with, uh, with uh, Bashert. And now that we've got this, this wonderful responses that I'm getting to love, faith, and a pair of pants uh, from all kinds of people, all ages, and, uh, and, uh, and the, the characters that are in it, uh, they keep telling me, you've got to bring back Uncle Joe. You know, Uncle Joe <laughs> is one of, the, one, of the, one of the great characters. He's brilliant, uh, and yep. he's, uh, he's very rich. He's a millionaire, uh, but he's, has, uh, unfortunately, he's not able to read or write because he never had an education. So what he does is he speaks with this accent that nobody knows, but he is the smartest guy around. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that was a, that's a character that we, we want to keep bringing back. Uh, you know, the, the Uncle Joe is, uh, you know, is, is, is the guy. And then, of course, there's Bertha. And uh, who doesn't love Bertha? Uh, right. I don't know if I should tell the story, but, uh, but, the, the, but Bertha... Uh, uh, came from uh, Russia when she was a very young girl in the, just after the, in the 1920s and during the pogroms when they were massacring Jews. And uh, she, she, she escaped with her sister and came to America. And by living in America and seeing the difference, uh, because she, she said that there's a major difference between Europe and America and every other country in America. She said, mm-hmm. in America, in America, 
uh, or at first in Europe, uh, there were no uh, ro- there were no uh, paved roads. So in the spring, when the snows melted, uh, just there were just puddles and filth all over the streets. So the townspeople would gather around the largest puddle of filth, and when a stranger walked in, they would trip him and, into, and made him just struggle in the filth. And people laughed and laughed and laughed. And Bertha, my Bertha says the difference between that and America is in America. When somebody falls down in the street, everybody comes out to help them up. That's what America yeah. is. And what she wanted more than anything else is to become a citizen of the United States of America. And that's what that, that uh, third story is about. Uh, and we've got a lot of response to that, too. Yeah, and, you know, that one really, it hit so many chords because you could understand where she was coming from and at the time it was said, and now I look at America and I, I look at it differently and I think, oh, I hope we get back to where where we oh are able to help each other, you know, instead of the place where oh, we oh are God. now we're, because, yeah. We're, we're one. We've, we're, got to, we've, got to, yeah, we, we've got to do whatever we can in whatever way we can to bring America back to sanity. Uh, yeah, and exactly. To, and to try to have some of the, the spirituality that, that you espouse and that, you, that, you, uh, that you, you, you just teach and you spread out to the world is so essential. That's, the only, that, that's our, our, our salvation. That's what we've got to do. And so however we do that, that you know, that's, that's terribly important. And so, uh, it is. And so and we do. In reading that story, I mean, that, that part of the book, it actually brought tears to my eyes. I had tears running down my face. I, I was like, yeah, I, I, that, is, that was true at one point in time. I'm not so sure it is now for everyone, you know. And so that oh, yeah. was a sad moment. But I have to say, you know, the, the wit, the humor, the entertainment value, the, um, it, everything resonated because it was just so, it was so real life, and yet it was funny, and it was sad, and, you know. And like you said, <laughs> even with Bashert, you know, you cried, you laughed. I kind of did the same thing with this. I just love your writing style, and I, I love the characters. And I have to ask you, are any of the stories based on your life or someone else's that you know at all? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> we might be talking about my Uncle Joe. I have an Uncle okay. Joe who, who was the only – in my family, it was a large family. Uh, and uh, uh, he was the only member of our family uh, who was a millionaire, actually was a millionaire. And he could not read or write. And he spoke with an accent that made people crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, by, uh, with, with regard to that, uh, one of the uh, interviewers that I, uh, uh, where I, I spoke over the weekend uh, said this about Uncle Joe, uh, you, you know, that, that he, he just, uh, after reading about it, she says, you know, I know what your book is. Your book is really Catcher in the Rye with a Yiddish accent. <laughs> <laughs> he, says, he says, you know, I, I, the stories are also human, you know, but, but the, the – and, and one of the writers also said, you know, I, I found myself reading with an accent. Uh, yeah, oh, so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we try to do that uh, as, as best we can. Um, but uh, the, the, one of the things that, you know, you touched upon in, uh, about trying to, trying to heal the world pretty much or at least – are part of the world mm-hmm. for now. Uh, there's so much of that that we that that we can do with what we do with the writing and with the teaching. Yep. Uh, and I, I just as an accident, I suppose not a not an accident, but a coincidence. Uh, last, about two weeks ago, uh, I was asked to do another uh, reading 
uh, of uh, Bashert. And it was uh, for a seniors group in a, uh, in a book club uh, here in Los Angeles. So I went to the book club, and uh, a nice little crowd of people, but all seniors. And uh, in the very front row was this very elderly couple. They were kind of straining to hear. Uh, and someone asked me, uh, after reading about uh, Bashert, uh, how do you know? How do you know when the person you found is your bashert, is meant to be, is the one that is your soulmate? How do you know that? And mm-hmm. what I said was, you know. Your heart knows. Yeah. Your brain knows. Your eyes know. Your fingers know. And as I was talking, the couple in the front row just very silently pushed one hand into the other, and they held each other's yeah. hands. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. You know, yeah, uh, I would have uh, cried. Uh, <laughs> I almost I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but, but that, I think we can we can reach people with with uh, with hope, you know, and with with sadness and with laughter, and it's okay to yeah. cry a little bit too when you you know when you when you because it just it it opens up whole new valves inside your body inside your brain. So all that is quite lovely for me. Well, and it shows that we're human. You know, when, whenever I'm giving a talk, if I can talk about something that's related to an experience that I've had, people get that and they like that because you're showing your human side, that you're not superior to them, that you're just with them and we're all in this together and I just happen to be standing up here speaking to you. You know, uh, I think that's important so people are at ease. But your book had so many life lessons, uh, I thought. First of all, I, I, had to, I was laughing hysterically at the negotiating process. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, oh, this is where the pair of pants comes into play. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. I love that because I always try to do something where there's something I'm very willing to give up. You know, I'm very willing. To, and, and the other party always has to win. So I always want to go in with something that I, that I need or want, and then I'll give up this. And, you know, and so that was a, a lesson I thought, oh, I hope people get this when they read it. Then the importance oh. of time. You know, the importance of timing throughout the book, the fact that while we have choices, you know, when we doubt, we're given signs and we just need to be aware and not just of ourselves. But, for instance, Ben's mother, you know, Bertha, he needed to be more aware of her and see the sacrifices she made for him and his brother Art. But he didn't see that till pointed out to him. So it was full of a lot of stuff, you know, a whole lot of lessons that I thought, it's more than just a book, but it, because it's so entertaining and, and, and you just are in it, you, I mean, it's a quick read. You just you don't want to put it down. And you read it, and you're into it. You don't know that you're getting the lesson. At least I don't think some people would. I, I like to look for things like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so delighted to hear you, your responses because, because that's what I do. That's why I do what I do. Uh, if mm. I can, if I can communicate that, uh, and and the timing uh, uh, that you talk about is really essential. But I have to tell you, you going back to your previous question, uh, is this really about me or is it about other people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start off by saying, when I became a rabbi in uh, Lake Mayopac, uh, just 50 miles north of New York City, uh, uh, I, I they said you have to negotiate a contract. And I asked my Uncle Joe, and what he told me, <laughs> what he told me was, ask for a pair of pants. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so you know, and how to de- how to how to make it a surprise, and how to deal with it, 
and you know, and 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 so, and and the the upshot was that I did get the job, and I got what I wanted. Uh, but you yep. need, you know, every so often you can get that, you know, that that help from from the universe and from the people that you know in it. So so that that's uh, that's quite good. But you know, getting back to uh, is it really about uh, me, or is it about uh, you know some things that I know or people I've I know or. Um, I think I may, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous book, but it was something that I learned from Marion, who was uh, a brilliant writer. Uh, And someone once asked her uh, if she had written three books, uh, three novels, actually. And uh, they said, you know, are are your books uh, about you? Are they, uh, you know, are just uh, made up or, or, you know, are they fiction or what? And she said something quite simple. She said, all biography is fiction, and all fiction mm-hmm. is biography. You can only write about what you know. But then, right. why the hell should you write only about what you know? I mean, you want, you, want to, you want to give them a diary, what you did, what you ate for breakfast? I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an approach to writing uh, that I'm fully committed to. So that, that's really what I try to do in my, with my stuff. I, it's it's wonderful, and I thought perhaps part of it was based on things because we do write about our experiences. It's how we it's how we write. It's how we get to something, and then you can get creative outside of that. But you need a basis or a foundation, you know, to start with. And I loved Uncle Joe too. I think everybody did. I mean, I wanted to. I was like, I would just want to sit down and have a conversation with Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. it's amazing, but sometimes the people who don't have a formal education know more than the people who do. And Absolutely. his life experience taught him that, you know. And, and I just, I, I think it was the negotiation factor that I loved the best. I was like, oh, my gosh, I kind of do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you just hit on something that hadn't occurred to me quite that way. Is I think when, when you have a, uh, a, a, a standard uh, education, you know what you know what you're taught. When you don't have that as a base, you learn to to think in many different ways on many different levels, uh, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's a totally new way of thinking. It's a much broader way, and Uncle Joe uh, is certainly that. And you know, and he doesn't think that's uh, in any the fact that he can sometimes dress shabbily or or when he when he goes to a, an elaborate dinner he'll stick his finger in the soup in the soup to pull out uh, uh, a, a piece of carrot or something. So you know he's not you look at him and you don't think he's got that kind of uh, that kind of knowledge. But then in the little section where he talks about uh, trying to teach Ben who feels so supercilious because he's a college graduate. And you know, rabbinical school graduate, and uh, and he says, and he tries to talk down to uh, Uncle Joe, and mm-hmm. uh, Uncle Joe says, "Listen, Pisho, you'll learn something. Listen to me, you'll learn something." In his accent, of course, uh, yeah. and he teaches him, you know, how to go about acquiring, you know, a a, 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 a huge piece of real estate. And Ben said, oh, why would I want to do that? And he just keeps telling him, and here you can make over 30% profit in your first year. And, I mean, he's got all these phenomenal things to talk about that Ben's head is swirling, you know, when they finally get to it. But what he discovers is that this is what's going to be his uh, – is going to make his life a lot easier, which is what he does. It was amazing because – 
as I was reading the book, I'm thinking, come on, Ben, listen to him. He has a lot to say, and it's good information. This is going to be worthwhile. You know? I mean, I'm trying to have a conversation with Ben, yeah. <laughs> thinking, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. But it was true. Yeah. It was just, yeah. you know, I loved, I loved that. And the, the other thing that I loved, this is so, it's kind of crazy, but we got into the second girlfriend, okay, who became mm-hmm. Ben's second wife. And her, I forget her full name, but her name is Soji. And yeah, she and helped him. Yeah. The name was, was Sojourner Truth was a was a, a, a very popular rebellious woman in the turn of the century. So we call oh, her Soji. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, now what is this based on a real person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, oh, I did well, not that, know that. that. The, the, the name was the name was that's the only part that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Sojourner name? Truth. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And. So what does it mean, a journey of truth? Uh, yeah, so journey of truth, uh, because her parents were devout uh, uh, communists. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, they, were, you know, they, were, they were going on marches all the time. So when they had a child, they wanted to name it you know, after you know, someone who's, who uh, was marching in the streets. So that was so oh. journey of truth. Yeah, but, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know if the name meant anything, because I'm reading it, and I'm thinking – I have a children's foundation called Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, and I always refer to it, and I say to people, I need to do a fundraiser for Soji. Can anybody have any good ideas? <laughs> oh, I'm my like, God. I'm not, that's another I'm, coincidence. <laughs> oh, our, our, the, the, the coincidences between us are mounting. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. reading it, and I'm thinking, where did he get this name Soji? And I'm like, oh, my God. And I went back, and I read the name, and I thought, I wonder if this is a legitimate name, if it's a Yiddish name, if it's a name that means something. And I, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, there is a, 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 a Hebrew name that means treasure, and it's something like Soma, Sima, Sima, and it means treasure. And I can't remember the name. I almost named my cat it. Um, but I don't remember. I think it S-I-M-A. Does that ring a bell? Pardon me? Sima? S I M A. Well, that's Sinai. S- actually. That, that, that no, refers F- to. No, no, no. S as in Sam. I M as in Mary A. Sima. Sima. Well, Sima. Sima. Yeah, Sima is a popular name. That was uh, my wife's mother's name. Uh, so okay. It's a, it's a very, I, very popular Hebrew name. Okay, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it means treasure. I'm not positive, but I thought it meant treasure. And uh-huh. as I'm reading the book, I'm like, I wonder what Soji means. And I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I made that part. I, I, nobody else called Sojourner Truth Soji, uh, so I just did it myself. Well, what's funny is we came up for the whole name Soji Huggles. We came up with an acronym. So it's sharing our joy intentionally is the Soji part, and it's one full name. It's not people want to use Soji and then Huggles as the last name. It's like no, it's Soji Huggles, and it's sharing our joy intentionally, helping us grow gratitude, love, empathy, and selflessness. And I'm reading your book, and I'm laughing every time I read her name, Soji. I'm like, I can't get over this. This is too funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, my God, there are connections between us we didn't realize. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, and I, 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 I love all the things we're talking about. But, you know, uh, I, I was on um, uh, and, uh, HUS, uh, was it? I forget the name of the, the uh, uh, television station in this past weekend uh, where I was being interviewed uh, on Bashar, on, not Bashar, on, on uh, Love, Faith, and a Pair of Pants. And mm-hmm. the... Uh, the uh, the interviewer 
said the book has five stories, five, five connecting stories that go through 30 years of the life of the, of the rabbi Ben Zelig. And he, he said, you have five stories. Okay, now uh, on the air, tell me, which is your favorite story? <laughs> so I thought about it. Whoa, uh, for my favorite story? So I said, if I had five children, which would be my favorite? Right. And I thought that was the appropriate answer. And she it said, is. well, <laughs> she said, no, well, no, for me, it would be my favorite the child would be the one that bothers me the least <laughs> and causes me the least <laughs> trouble. So I, oh, my okay. goodness. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it, it uh, sort of takes all, time, all kinds. I was definitely yeah. not prepared to hear that. No, maybe, maybe in the moment, you know, in the moment, if you get all five of them with you and you think, okay, really, you know, you're driving me crazy, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, yeah, not, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't pick one because it's the, it's the whole life. So how do That's you choose? Exactly. Yeah, how do you choose a piece of it? I, yeah. Because even if you look at our own lives, if you were to say, I love it when people say, oh, I wish I could go back to being a teenager and I'll tell them, really, I don't. And they'll say, why? I say, you've got to take the good with the bad. Stop thinking about just the good. It was great, but don't forget that there was stuff. Your growth came from the stuff that hurt. That's, That's where exactly your growth right. came from. Well, and why you know, and would, that, I'm sorry. And why would you want to repeat that, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, in that regard, uh, you know, there, there's so much to laugh about and so much to be happy about in the book. Uh, but there's one story, uh, Eden, if you recall that one, uh, where he meets this this young girl, the rabbi meets the young girl, uh, and and uh, it, it does not end as we would you know as, uh, happily. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember the story. Uh, should I? I mean, is it okay to refresh your? The, oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, you know, um, uh, as he when he was a rabbi, he was already uh, several years in the rabbinate. Uh, and uh, he's still, in addition to being a rabbi, he's a man, uh, and yep. he craves female company. You know, he wants to find, he was looking, he'd like to find his bashert. He'd like to find somebody he can talk to, somebody he can be with and not have to talk to, and just, but, but they communicate. He wants to be in love. That's what he wants. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, he finds it difficult to find. So he has a very close friend who's a, uh, an Episcopalian vicar, uh, and they they're they're just the best buddies, uh, and they talk about their their various uh, congregants and the congregations and so forth, and the churches. Uh, but they mention he, 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 that uh, you know maybe he's looking in the wrong place for a woman. And he and, and his friend, the vicar, says, you know I've got a really terrific girl that I know. She's a wonderful human being. She's a woman. Uh, she's a Broadway actress. She's very gifted. She's very smart. But I don't think she's for you. And, of course, <laughs> you say that to Ben. You say, well, what do you mean? She's gifted. She's smart. She's beautiful. And she's not for me. Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, for one thing, she's not Jewish. Uh, so, okay, so the rabbi has to think, is, could that be a problem? Uh, I don't know. Let me meet the girl, mm-hmm. and I'll, we'll figure all this out. So he goes to New York, and she's on Broadway. Uh, and by the way, if you have to go to, you know, to, inter- inter- to interfere or whatever, call for uh, something to stop me for talking, by all means do. Oh, no, so, I love uh, this. Go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and so he goes to, a, and, he, and he finds, uh, uh, he goes to Broadway, on Broadway, he finds, goes to Fiddler on the Roof, and there's a ticket waiting for him. 
uh, with one of the with a what they call a house seat, one of the best you know, third row center. So he goes in and he hasn't seen very many shows. And when he sees the woman that he's going to be talking to on stage, she he's he's stunned. She is so stunningly beautiful. But that's not it. It's the way she she responds to her parents, to to Tevya, uh, with such honesty and with such sincerity, and with such love and pain that he's just is so taken, and he wants to scream out in the middle of the theater, Tevya, can't you see you can't marry her to that a big fat ugly tailor butcher? You got she's in love with Mortal the tailor, can't you see that? Now, of course he doesn't, but he's so mm-hmm. taken with her. Uh, and that afterward, uh, he, they go out to uh, have dinner, and they, they, she really wants to, he really wants to meet her and talk to her. Whatever she wants to talk about, she's ready. But she doesn't feel like talking. She doesn't talk. And so they're in the restaurant for a few minutes, and the waiter comes over with a phone. And she gives her, he gives her the phone, and uh, she picks it up. She says, yes, grabs it right away. And she starts walking, gets, walk, gets up, and she paces around the room holding the phone. And, he, and the, all he can say or hear is say is, what's up? And then she waits a minute, and then she squints, and she says, oh, shit. And then she comes yep. back, and she sits down, and he's got tears in her eyes, and he wonders what's going on. Uh, he says, uh, listen, uh, Rabbi, uh, the reason I wanted to come to meet you is, uh, I want you to tell me something. She says, sure, whatever. She, she takes out a yellow pad and a pen. <laughs> and says, tell me everything you know. <laughs> I thought that and was so funny when she said that. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he's on his first date. He says, tell you yeah. what I know? You know? About what? She says, about life, death, uh, <laughs> love, everything, uh, war, simple peace, questions. everything. 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 Very you know. simple question. <laughs> yeah. Just, tell me what you know. And he said, uh, you know, uh, if, if you want proof, I don't, I can't prove anything. She says, I'm not asking for proof. Tell me what you know. And she clicks her, her pen, and she starts writing and looking at him, and she says, he says you know, uh, you want me to tell you everything I know? That could take a long time. And she said, Ben, that was my oncologist on the phone. I may not have a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we go in that whole direction. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so, you know, uh, I've, what I've tried to do is to present elements of the truth as I've seen it in my life. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's what, I, what, what I hope we do. Um, well, you and, did. I mean, I got that from that, but I had read Bashir, and I thought, oh, I see where he's getting this from. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from, from Marion, and I thought, okay, um, because this is definitely Ben's Bechert. And yeah. I thought, wow, you know, this is this is just so sad. You knew where it was going eventually in the story. and I, But it was, it was a great story because it did a couple of things. First of all, it showed that there are people who believe that, you know, this is the right way, this is the right way, this is the right way, and never shall anything meet. And then there are people that believe that, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, we can all get along and work together. And I loved that because it showed that clergy can work together regardless of religion. You know, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a talk with a friend the other day, and I said, you know what I really think? I really think that when we pass, we all figure out it's the same thing. We're just calling it something different. You know, it's I, the I, same thing. <laughs> as, a, as, as, your, as your rabbi, I absolutely agree a thousand percent. 
Yeah, I, I really do. I think, okay, so we call Abraham or Jesus or Muhammad or Allah. It doesn't really matter. It's the same creator. And everybody, and, and, the, and there aren't a lot of people that are in the clergy that I have seen. I was brought up Catholic, okay? So there weren't a lot of people in the clergy that I saw that were very forgiving or very, not forgiving is not the right word, very giving and very kind toward people who were not of the same ilk. And that used to bother me from the time I was a child. I remember seeing people treat people horribly and I would get so upset. It just internalized within me. And I just thought there's got to be a way to just, why can't everybody just be nice? I don't like fighting. I don't believe in fighting. I don't think there's anything worth fighting for except your life. And, right. you know, yeah, everything it, else it is like. It doesn't pay. It's not worthwhile. It, does, no. it doesn't bring you to a, to a better, happier, more fulfilling place, uh, you know. Uh, but communicating in words uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and words with music, with song, uh, uh, things are so much different. Uh, there's a, one of the, you know, one of the things I, I learned from so many of the people that I talk to, and I, because I've never been doing this. I mean, I, uh, before writing, I, I didn't, I didn't go travel around the country talking to, to people uh, from different walks of life. And uh, there was one in, uh, in Houston. Uh, a, a woman once asked me, she's, she's a Hispanic descent. Uh, she, she read. Uh, uh, Love, Faith, and a Pair of Pants. And she said, you know what I think the book is? I said, uh, well, I'd like to hear it. She said, have you ever heard of Mercedes Sosa? Mercedes Sosa. She's a, um, she was a, I think she's uh, one of the, 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 one of the states of countries in South America. And she sings mm -hmm. in, in Spanish. And her, her famous song was Gracias a la Vida. Thank you, life. Thank you, life. And the whole mm. thing is about thank you, life, for all the good things that you bring me, for all the possibilities that you, that you offer me, for all the happy things that, that I, can, I can find in my life. And I, I had not known, I had not heard of this person. Uh, mm, but I, I, what, a, what a joy to hear that there are such people who, who really work to try to make this a better world. And it's, it's just... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, you're 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 foremost among them, uh, and what you do with your work, my God, I have such admiration uh, for you, and it's it's it really uh, wonderful when I find even other people who do as well. Yeah, I think that the whole purpose is. I, I really believe that we are all in service to and with each other, and when you're not in service to and with each other, you know things don't go that well, and. I, remember, I sat at a, at a nonprofit summit a year ago, and, and the gentleman got up, the attorney got up to speak, and he said, you know, you're all in competition with each other. And I looked at the woman next to me, and I said, no, we're not. And I started to laugh, and she goes, we're not. And I said, no. And she said, why? I said, there's enough for everybody. If we all work together as a group, realizing we can help the community because we're all different nonprofits, we would all make more money for our nonprofits than sitting here saying, well, I've got to compete with them and make more than them and take their people. That's not how it works. There's nobody that's going to give me a donation who, who isn't resonating with my foundation. And I don't give to those things that I don't resonate to. I give to the things I do resonate to. So, you know, you're not going to be able to change that. It's yeah, just well, not a competition. Yeah. That's, that's precisely what you do, and, that's, and I have such admiration for you. And uh, in a sense, that's what, you know, that's what authors do as well. We, we, write, we write about things that we, we feel uh, enlightened expand they expand our consciousness our awareness of, of, of life and people around us uh and 
when when I when when you do that and you get a response, you know, people understanding and appreciating and loving some of the things you've done, uh, you know, it, it it just raises your it raises your your self awareness, uh, raises your life to a much higher standard, and uh, I'm, I'm very very pleased about that. Uh, but that's uh, those are the those are the things we write. As for for love, faith, and a pair of pants, uh, I've gotten such lovely re- responses to this. Uh, but uh, but you know I I'm, I appreciate yours above all. I must tell you. <laughs> and that's too funny. The um what the book I think does. Just like with Bashert, it makes you feel. And that, I think, is so important because people will, will say, you know, oh, I want to in- make an intention that something will happen. Well, you can speak all the intentions you want. They're not going to happen until you give them the fuel. The fuel is the feeling behind it and the gratitude wow. that you have it. And if you're not showing gratitude, I mean, before I work on people, I thank God that I am able to work on the people and help them. That's the first thing I do is, is, is thank. Thank you for allowing this person to, you know, have faith and trust in my abilities and they're coming to me and for, you know, helping me with this process to help them heal. So it's, I think it's important to do that. I've kept a gratitude journal for, I don't know, eons now. And I think if you can look at things and say, I'm grateful for, and we just did this as a, as a Thanksgiving exercise, list 20 things that you're grateful for and because. I am grateful for blank because blank. So, you know, one person wrote down, I'm grateful for you because you helped me. And I said, okay, you can do better than that. And she says, what do you mean? I said, that's, <laughs> well, no, that's, that's pretty damn good because it's, well, it, it, I'm it, sure it, that's real and genuine. Yes. And, but I said to her, think about something that maybe you didn't like but you learned something from. And at first she didn't get that. But then she did, and she was able to say, you know, I am grateful for a particular instance that happened in her life because it taught me, and she listed the lesson. Mm. And I thought that it, when you can say you're grateful for something that hurt you because you came through it and you grew from it, that to me is like really the fuel, the fuel, because you are grateful for that if you truly feel the gratitude. And I think we all have those instances, and I felt that in this book, that this rabbi felt those things. It just came through to me that he's grateful for the things that have happened because he's grown from it. Because from the very beginning of the book until you get to the year 2007, you know, and this isn't a long book either. I mean, it's only 200 pages. So I don't want anybody to think that, oh, my God, 30 years, how long is this book? (laughs) It's not that long. It really isn't. And, And it encapsulates you, and it just takes you in where, I don't know, maybe I read too much into characters, but I felt like the rabbi was grateful for, you know, the life that he had. Eventually, after it was pointed out to him, he really started to see his gratitude in those things, the difficulties that others made for him and things that he had done or his own difficulties and how they brought him to where he was. So whether you tried to do that or not, it came through to me. <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, what you're, what you're saying is so gratifying to me because, you know, the, 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 the fact, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, he starts out as a devout religious person and through through the incidents in his life, through the pain in his life, through many of the vicissitudes that he uh, that he goes through, he loses his faith. Uh, and what do you do when you lose your faith? You know, when you yeah. lose your faith, and what happens when you lose your love uh, and then yeah. your faith? And so the whole last chair, the whole last paragraph that I call blood, uh, 
deals with that, uh, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's sort of semi-surreal, but uh, but it, it's uh, it's really based on a lot of the things that I've experienced. Uh, and in one instance, in one instance, there was a, a woman that I uh, who interviewed me on uh, on the, the last book. Uh, she's a, a, an African American woman who lost three of her sons, all three of her sons. Oh my street, gosh! Street killing. And I thought, oh. my God, how do you survive that? Yeah. And uh, with, with with that in mind, uh, I put that into the into the last book, uh, and, and, uh, where he ta- where blood, uh, uh, with the title of blood, where our rabbi yep. is, finds himself in Harlem, and he and he's just dizzy. He was hit by a car and uh, just bra- bruised, not 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 really knocked out. He's just you know just can barely keep his eyes open. And someone helps him and says, you know, uh, it's a little late, but uh, you can come to the synagogue if you like. And he looks at this person. It's, it's an African-American wanting him to go to his synagogue. And they go to the synagogue in the middle of Harlem, and the preacher uh, it looks exactly like, uh, like the rabbi that was his teacher uh, many years ago at, the, uh, at his seminary. But the character that I built it on was a, is a, a very interesting uh, evangelical preacher. I don't know if you've ever heard, if you or your people have ever heard T.D. Jakes. Uh, but, I mean, as a preacher, I mean, he's stunning. I'm not sure I understand much of what he says, but mm-hmm. he, he's enthralling. And what I tried to do in that, in that novel is to show uh, in this, in this uh, synagogue with, uh, with the an African American rabbi and an African American congregation, and the th- the things that that starts it starts with is that uh, is a prayer, and each of each each of the five people who come up to the to the uh, I guess the altar, and each mm-hmm. one is one is carrying a, a, a flag and he's wearing a uniform, and he uh, says and he says that uh, I'm offering a prayer for my 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 brother. And then another woman comes up and says, I'm offering a prayer for my son. And you get the, immediately know that these are mourners. And what mm-hmm. he do he takes that, he takes all of that and brings it into the cycle of life where it's not an end. There, is, there are no ends. There's, it's, it's just completely refuels itself. Life refuels itself. And, you know, and when, when it looks dark, uh, it's time you know, to start laughing again. And sometimes, yeah. you know, in the middle of the laughter, you'll find you'll find uh, knowledge, you'll find insights, and then in the insights, you find other things. So that's really what what I've tried to do with love, faith, and a pair of pants. And, and nothing thrills me more than listening to you talk about it, because you, you, what you do is you integrate it into into life, and that's that's really what I was trying to do. May not have known at the time, but that's what I was trying to do. Well, I think you succeeded. I mean, it it really touches different chords within as you read each each chapter, you know, and and it is one person's life, but there are many things that you can look at, you know, in in that chapter you're talking about. I mean, he had so many things that were going wrong for him. You know, you felt bad for the guy, <laughs> you know. Like, oh my god. Well, it's got to stop at some point, you know, and but there was so much to learn from it. That as I said, I really think that our our most difficult 
challenges are the ones where we have our greatest growth. If we see them and we're aware and we get the lesson, if we don't get the lesson, you're going to keep getting hit until an 18 wheeler hits you, you know, and that's why sometimes the lessons get harder and harder when, when you're not seeing and you're not aware of what the signs are. I think people need to maybe use intuition a little bit more instead of being so tied to their gadgets, their their iPhones, their whatever it is that they have. I don't have an iPhone. I refuse to buy one. You're kidding. <laughs> no, no, I don't know how to text. No, I don't know how to text. People tell me, I'll text you. I'll say, go ahead. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably wasn't worth Well, nothing is quite as, you know, quite as personal as just calling on the phone and talking. Yeah. Well, I see that when people are texting, there's a sense of urgency. They expect the other person to get back to them immediately because it's an immediate, you know, it's an immediate thing. You have it on your phone. And people have said to me, I texted you, you didn't respond because my phone sits in its charger almost all day. It's a flip phone. And when I'm with patients, I'm really not going to be picking up the phone so you can leave a voicemail or you can email me and that's how i get in touch with you there's really nothing that's that more important than the person that i'm with in the moment so the most important person in the world is the person that you're engaged to at the moment you know with in the moment and i just see people getting so upset and aggravated and stressed out and high blood pressure and you know headaches galore and all kinds of things because of social media and it's it's a shame it's just a shame and like yeah you know i have no no need, no interest. Thank you anyway. <laughs> People get upset at me. I get scolded a lot. I really do. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I, so, I, I so admire your your individuality. You know, because everybody does it doesn't mean you have to do it. You know, yeah. or at least because of, it's because everybody says because what you have to do. Yeah, if I, if I don't text you, you're not going to get the information. I said, well, then I don't need it. And she said, well, you have to have it. And I said, apparently not. And she said, so you're going to make me do extra work? And I said, let me, I'll, I'll tell you something. I asked my husband who just, he's a VP of a tech company, okay? And, and he said, I said to him, um, you know, what's the difference between texting from a phone and emailing from a phone? He goes, two buttons. I said, that's it? And he just got an iPhone in May. He just got one because he said, they know where to reach me. I don't need one of those things. He only uses it for meetings when he's at home. He doesn't text. We don't talk to each other because we both have a work ethic that if I'm working, I ought not to be talking to you. I need to be working. And you lose so much of that when, you, you know, when you're online and uh, you know, people mm-hmm. can get to you for uh, you know, all day long uh, oh, you yeah. know, and, and, and control your life. We don't need that. And that, in that, the middle of meetings. Not paying attention to what's going on, what they're supposed to be in that meeting for, what they're supposed to be engaged with in that moment. And so they're, they're saying they're multitasking. And to me, the only way that you can truly multitask is to put the clothes in the washer, the dishes in the dishwasher, turn them both on, and go read them. <laughs> you know, then you, you're reading and they're doing the cleaning for you. You can't multitask. Your brain doesn't work that way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got it all set. I think you've got, it, uh, you've got, it, you've got the system beat. Uh, which is uh, which is lovely. I try. Uh, I try. I, well, make it work for me. And I said, why should I go into the boat that's sinking out in the ocean when I'm over here and everything's fine with me? You just want me to join you. And I, I thought you liked me. <laughs> and people yeah, are like, like yeah. it's, 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 that's amazing how people expect you to, uh, you know, to just respond. You know, you, I didn't hear from you. You know, are you yeah. all right? Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. I don't have anything to say at the moment. Uh, you know, how about that? So it's really uh, but yeah. life, love, safe, and a pair of pants it doesn't get into that part at all because we're not there yet. It was 2007. But the interesting thing is everybody that the rabbi talks to and everybody that the people talk to, there was listening going on. There was listening. You know, you could see it when he was really paying attention um, 
you know, to, to Marianne when she was talking, even though he thought she's crazy. She's asking me all these questions. And I was laughing. I thought it was funny. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and he's so he was so steeped in his way, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, and his, his his attitude toward his mother. His mother's a lovely person, but she doesn't she doesn't never stops talking. So, you know, right. she asks me something. I don't have to answer her. And uh, and and this, she meets Soji, this woman, and says, uh, "Excuse me, you don't have to answer her. Why not? Because she just talks all the time. Excuse me, she taught you to talk. You know, she raised you. You owe her. And uh, I do. Yes, you do. You owe her the civility of responding when she asks you something. And if she talks, uh, if, if she if, if she has no one else to talk to all day and wants to." just feel human and she talks to you, you you don't have a right not to respond. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that stuff going on in the book too. Um, And that that was an interesting character for me. It it wasn't one that I was familiar with quite frankly, uh, because as a a male with a, when my, when my mother, uh, uh, my father passed away and my mother uh, wanted to come, uh, actually she didn't want to come to new to Los Angeles uh, when uh, uh, when I moved out here, uh, but I I told her that uh, that I had gotten a congregation uh, after Lake Mayapak, and uh, and if she wanted to come, she could. And she said, "Well, you know, I'd love to come and live in your new temple." Uh, and I had to explain, <laughs> "You don't you don't live in a temple, but uh, you know." Uh, but nonetheless, she did uh, she did come and uh, and and found a new life for herself. And so Bertha was very much, was very, very close to my own mother in many ways. Uh, not quite, not entirely, uh, but their, their closeness. You, know, you, you just pick up everything you can. You just, if your eyes are open, your ears are open. Uh, you know, when, I, when I'm uh, writing sometimes, at the end of the day, I, I have pretty solid hours when I sit at the computer. And uh, mm. when late afternoon, I like to go to, uh, to the children's park and just watch them. And they, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're like a, a litter of puppies. You know, they tumble over one another, and you just, just watching them, you get all kinds of strange ideas about, gee, what would happen if this happened? What would happen if that would happen? And not, not about children necessarily, but your mind drifts off into whole new directions. And I find that, uh, you know, very helpful. You know, getting out of the world, and that's I find a lot, a lot more there than I would if I were on the phone, you know, all day long. Sure. It's very meditative, and we have so much to learn from children because they really are living in the moment. They're not thinking about the next thing. They're just yeah. living in the moment, and, they're, and we have so much to learn from them because in the ways they will not, most children will not just attack somebody without due cause. So they kind of get along, you know, until somebody wants to steal a ball from somebody else or, you know, somebody grabs something they want to see. You do have those things happening, but there's so much that is it just goes away as we go through our academic years and that childlike innocence is gone. And it's really sad. It's, it's really nice to see. And because it is like that, your mind does go into a stillness where you can create more and do more. And you never know what you're going to get when you're in that stillness of space, you know, it's a beautiful that's, thing. <laughs> that, that, that truly is. Uh, you know, and, and just being in the moment, which I, I, you know, I clearly see in you, I mean, you are living in the moment. And all the things that you do are, are you know, are to contribute uh, to the world that you live in. 
And this is, this is uh, there could be no greater mission in life. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you, and I'm very thrilled to be able to, uh, to, to communicate with you. Well, I'm thrilled to talk to you because I find you to be truly inspiring, and I think that you are that way as well. I mean, you know, it's in your work, it's in your books, it's in your voice. You can feel it, the energy as it comes across the line, you know. So I, I, there's, a, there's definitely a kindred spirit thing happening here, and I am just so very grateful for you. I can't believe we're almost out of time, and, and I want to thank you. I know, crazy, right, for your wit and your integrity. <laughs> I, just, I, I love talking to you. <laughs> You got to come to New York again. I don't know if I'm going to get to LA. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, I do. You you're definitely going to be the one I contact. Yeah. But if you Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you if you and or your husband come out this way, uh come make sure you got to spend time with me. I will. I absolutely will. It's just really hard to get away. I um I do a lot of volunteer work and um and I have my job. <laughs> <laughs> which has oh, now can become secondary, have, sort of. <laughs> you have so <laughs> you many know. jobs. It's beautiful. Yeah. But everything you do contributes to a better civilization. That's wonderful. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you've got to try, right? You, we all have to do our little share here. It keeps me out of trouble. Let's just put it that way. Because <laughs> 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 it keeps me out of trouble. That's a good thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, Herb, yeah. I'm, I am so grateful for you being on the show. And let's talk about where people can get your book where they can learn more about you, and your book is Love, Faith, and a Pair of Pants. Where can they buy that? Any bookstores and Amazon? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Amazon, bookstores. Uh, by all means, read the, uh, read the reviews. Uh, I don't know if, that, if I mentioned already that someone, one of the reviewers said uh, it's, it's Catcher in the Rye with an accent, but then mm-hmm. went on to say uh, you know, some other lovely things about the book. Uh, so there, 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 there's, there's a lot. Uh, that I think uh, I have to uh, that, that I would like people to to read uh, in it, but they by all means go to Amazon. You can go to any of the book clubs, uh, or you can go uh, to uh, herbfreed.com. There's h e r b f r e e d one word herbfreed.com, and you can read about uh, some all the the things that are that are going on with that book, uh, and with Bashert and with uh, Love Faith and a Pair of Pants and some of the other things we're involved with. And by the way, I think uh, we're right on the same page uh, when it comes to trying to stabilize our civilization here. And I write a lot yeah. about in blo- I write blogs about that in the, on, the, uh, on, on my website as well. So now, you, that, did mention, uh, you did mention you were going to bring back Uncle Joe, so I'm going to guess that there's another book in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you know, I, I've been getting that from... Uh, from Meryl, my uh, uh, Meryl Moss, who's this wonderful yep. publicist, and she's been she's been uh, urging me. She says, she says we have we have these beautiful characters. I want another book with all of them. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, so to be perfectly honest, I've already started. Uh, so uh, I, I mean, I have so much fun. I get up in the morning and I laugh. I get up in the morning and I cry. <laughs> I start doing a little of each, and then I find myself laughing, and then it's just. Uh, once again, and it's uh, it's just uh, it's it's what I what I'm on this on this planet to do. I believe. Yeah. Oh, I think it's great. You know. Okay, people. This is a wonderful book. It takes you away from where you are in your life and allows you to go on a journey 
that's humorous and sometimes tearful, but always, always enjoyable. So, you know, it would make a great holiday gift. Hanukkah's right around the corner. I think it starts December 2nd. Christmas is the 25th. Kwanzaa, I think, is the 26th or the 27th. All the holidays are coming up. This would make a great gift. So go get the book. Get both books. Get Bashert and get Love, Faith, and a Pair of Pants. They are so enjoyable. You will feel it in your heart. And, you know, isn't that what we're all here for, to feel things in our hearts and to come from our hearts and to be in gratitude? This will help get you there. So let's see. Listeners, I really need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. So we need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life that we're meant to live. Healthfully, purposefully, productively, this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so that they can learn and grow and make the world a better place. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love. I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends. There's no compensation of any kind to anyone. You'll learn about our fundraising campaigns, and you can see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need. So at Soji Huggles, we're investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at both, well, on Twitter at NRG Wear Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. And happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Okay, Herb, how are you doing? Oh, that was fantastic. That was beautiful. I'm so, we have gra- a great I'm so time. grateful to you. I'm, I am so, so grateful, grateful to you. Oh. Mutual oh. admiration society here. <laughs> okay, well, you, you're you're my favorite of all. I, I yours yours is the only review I have on that I've that I've framed. Uh, so, oh my uh, goodness, you got to send me a picture of that. <laughs> okay, well, I, I will do that. I will. I'll do oh that. my goodness. I I, I, do I have I have your email address? I think. Uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, or I, I'm sure they have it at the, the Merrill Moss. But yeah, uh, Merrill I will Moss definitely get you to do that. I will definitely yeah, get that to you. And I'm so grateful and to you once again. It was a beautiful interview. It was great. It was wonderful to catch up with you. And seriously, if you come to New York, do get in touch with me. Please do. I'd love to I see promise. you. I really would that's, love to meet you. I, and, yeah, that's and I can't wait for your next book to come out. You know, that would be fun. <laughs> great. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you again. In the meantime, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy and blessed be and gratitude and everything for, for everything that you do in this world. Thank you so much. And the same for you. I wish you nothing but happiness and joy and peace. And, and, and you're already very successful. And I and I wish you continued success. You're wonderful. Thank you. You Thank take you. care. Much love to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.